Good morning. All right. All right. Amen. 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 We're good. We're good. We got rid of a hundred kids. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming out this morning. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for worshiping the way you do. Can we give it up for that worship team, man? Wow. Wow. And, and you know what? Without the sound crew, you wouldn't hear any of them. So, amen. Amen. Oh, sorry. And without the ushers, you wouldn't know... Amen, amen. Can, can, can I get busy now? All right, all right, all right, amen. Here's the quote. Here's the quote this morning. As the church, it is not our job to fix people. It's our job to love people even while they're broken. Wow. Even while they're broken. Amen? So thank you for joining us in our series. We're in God's season two. We're walking through the New Testament. Following God's people through God's word. And we haven't gotten too far. But it's, uh, we're not in a rush. Amen? Amen? I left off last time. It was Pentecost Sunday. And we were in the book of Acts. And there were 120 gathered in the upper room and they were in one mind and one spirit and they were waiting for the promise of God. Anybody waiting today for God's promise? Anybody standing on a promise? You're, you're waiting for... Yeah, all right, there's two. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just... Father, we come before you right now, Lord God, and we thank you. We thank you that you see us. We thank you that you hear us. And we thank you, God, that even your delays, mm, we thank you that even your delays are good for us. And so, Lord, we, we, we sit patiently in you, not doing anything but being active, but believing, but trusting, but walking and waiting in your promises. Father, we thank you, we trust you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, book of Acts, they were waiting for the promise that Jesus said the Father would send them. He said, do not leave home without it. You are going to need this. Make sure you get it. And in the Gospel of John, he said, he was telling them about him. He's leaving. They're going to do this to me. And, then, and I have to go. And the Son of God, the Father, has to do this. And, has to, and he said, I know that you're sad, but it's better that I go. Because when I go, the Father will send the Comforter. When I go, God's going to send you the Helper. When I go, He's going to send the Advocate. He, Jesus is saying, trust me, you're going to want this. Trust me, you need this. We're in John 16, He said, I'm telling you this so that in me you will have peace. And then He drops the, the big 
bomb on you. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have tribulations. In this world, you're going to have sorrows. If, 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 you know, say amen if it's true, right? You amen was true, right? And so in this world, you're going to have sufferings. Jesus is saying things are not always going to go according to how you think they should go. Somebody say amen. Things are not always going to work out the way you think they should work out. Sometimes it's going to feel like you're not going to make it. Sometimes it's going to feel like you've messed up everything. Sometimes it feels like you're going backwards. Sometimes it's going to feel like I'm not there. Sometimes it's going to feel like I don't care. Sometimes it's going to feel like I'm not aware. Sometimes it's going to feel like you can't go on anymore. Jesus says, but take courage. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. (laughs) See, Jesus was telling them, in this body, I, I can't be with you all of the time. And I can't be with everyone all of the... I'm only here for a short while. And I go in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, then the promise from the father can come. And when the spirit of God comes, everything changes. That's what I want you to get today. Everything changes. When the Spirit of God comes, every, Ephesians 1.3, get, get this picture. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So we were, the, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't seal us, the Holy Spirit is the seal. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, we were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is a seal. Let me give you a throwback reference. Remember when you used to go to the club? All right, three of you are going to be honest. The rest of you are so... I'm not talking about last week. I'm talking, you know, remember? <coughs> remember when this is maybe, you know, I'm talking 100 years ago, but you go to the club and they put a, a mark on you. Oh, I took you back, right? They, they put a mark on you, right? And, and, and the mark is, is to... Oh, man. The mark meant that you were admitted. The mark meant that you had access. The mark meant that you were allowed entrance. Back in the day, I don't know if they do it still, but back in the day they used to do it with invisible ink. Anybody remember that? So that means you could have been marked, but you still look like everybody else. Only, <laughs> you, even after you've been sealed, you still look like everyone else. But when you got put under the light, <laughs> it was shine. Letting everybody know that you had access to enter in. That you can come and go, amen? If you, if you go to a resort today, they might give you, maybe not Santo Domingo because everybody's dying, but... But if you go to a resort today, sorry, (laughs) sorry, they might give you a bracelet and that bracelet, 
It makes it recognizable so that you can go anywhere on the premises. That bracelet says you have access. You have the right to be there. You have the right to be served. You have the right to take what you want. You have the right to eat and to drink. Amen? Amen. It's a seal that tells everyone that you have, that you are entitled, that you've been covered, that it's paid for. Mm. Jesus tells his followers, if I go, the Father will give you an advocate to be with you forever. That's what the word says, not me. You're going to be sealed forever. This is not temporary like the invisible ink that can wash off. This is not temporary like the bracelet that you eventually cut away after that week. This is a seal. You've been marked for redemption. This was going to be different than the other times that we've read and talked about. I want you to get this. The heart of the father is to dwell with his children. I I can't explain this and I don't know why, but apparently God loves us so much that he likes to be around us. But because he's so holy, because he's so God... He, he can't just, just become, because if he came near, we'd sizzle like bacon. We'd disappear, right? But he longs to be around us. He, for some reason, he lo- I saw a post that says, I, I, I've given God countless reasons not to love me, but none of them have been strong enough to change him. And so we see it throughout history, throughout uh, the God walking. In the beginning in creation, in Genesis, it says, God used to walk in the garden in the cool of the day. Wow. That's why when they fell and they heard the footsteps, they got scared and they hid. That means that for them to recognize the footsteps of God, that means he walked with them regularly. Amen. After the fall in the Old Testament, the, the Spirit of God would dwell in designated spaces, right? We've, we've talked about this, like the tent of gathering, right? He would say, set up a tent and I'm going to meet with my people there. He would, he would set up in the tabernacle on, on top of the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat in between the cherubim. There would be sacred places where he would, he would dwell in the temples that they formed for him. There was a, a special chamber called the Holy of Holies, hidden behind a curtain and he would dwell there amen these places were a way for God to dwell with his people without destroying them in the New Testament the word becomes flesh and he dwelt and lives among us Jesus fully man fully God walked among us and he had to do that in order to become the perfect sacrifice to take our place to trade spaces with us at the cross amen and and so when he walked the earth he called ordinary men he said follow me he said drop what you're doing and follow me he said you come follow me and and he he was around people he was the incarnation of God the holy spirit of God the image of the invisible God but he walked among us and he spoke and he taught and he gathered people and he instructed and he he breathed life amen after the death and the resurrection on pentecost with the holy spirit the spirit of God the holy spirit um would not only be with God's people as Jesus was, but now he would inhabit each one 
personally, privately. I mean, this, uh, this is something that's so hard to get around and so hard to, and we kind of ignore it every day and we kind of go on living like regular, not understanding that, that the, the inhabited presence of God has been sealed in us personally, privately. He moves in and, and there's an invisible seal that shows up in the light and brings light in the darkness. Amen? And, and with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. With the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Here's the problem. We are inherently resistant to change. That's why we love to hear messages and we love to go to places that say, come just as you are. God loves you and we love that, man. We can sit all day. Listen, oh, God loves me just like I am. Amen. And it's true. There's nothing not true about that. That's true. You come just as you are. You could come any old way. As a matter of fact, God loved you before you got cleaned up. God loved you when you were dirty. The word says while we were yet sinners, he, he did everything he did for us when we were dirty. Before we thought, like we think we're cleaned up now because we present ourselves in, in church on Sundays. You, um, come on. So when the Spirit of God inhabits, when He moves in, everything starts to change. We saw in the Old Testament that God is very particular about His temple. Oh, we're going to get personal. Come on. See, when God had them build the temples, you remember Solomon's temple, the other, when God had them build the temples, He didn't gather people and say, listen, you know, build it any way you want. Did you ever read that in the Word? Build it any way you want, man. Just, you know, give me a place to chill with you. I just want to hang out. I just want to be in my... No! He said, I want it this size and this size. And it should reach from here to here. And I want it made of this metal and this precious stone. And I want the floors this way and the walls this way. And I want the chambers this... He, 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 he inspired by the Spirit of God in the, in the Old Testament. He inspired them to be designers and creators and artisans. And he said, I want the finest carpenters. I want stonemakers. I want um, um, fabric. Um, I want, you know, the, I want it this way, this way. He was very particular, totally, like, extravagantly decorated the temple. The temple, for some reason, was, was, was sacred to God. Because it's where he met people there, right? So why do we think that God has changed? Why would God change? If, if we have now become these temples, <coughs> are you getting this crazy picture right now? There's a good chance that when the Spirit of God comes, He's going to want to make some changes. <laughs> Come on, this is good. This is good. I like this. I like this picture. When he comes, when he inhabits, when he lives in us, he might walk in day one and he say, this temple is too closed up. I want that wall down. I want that wall taken down. I want that wall moved back. But we say, no, no, but I like those walls where they are. No, 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 I like, I like, I like. He might say, I want this wall blown out. 
I want this wall taken out. And, and God will come into our lives and say, I want to start taking down walls. And we are resistant to change. And thus the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Jesus might come in, the Holy Spirit come into your room, and he'll find a, a locked room, and he'll say, oh, unlock that. And empty it. And we'll say, whoa, whoa chill. Chill, I've only been in church 10 years. I, I'm not ready. I've, I've only heard 400 messages. I'm not ready to let you see that room. I'm not ready to unlock that room. I'm not ready to let go of everything in that room. God said, take the walls off. Take the, take the hinges off that door. Just open it and empty everything that's in it. But we're resistant, amen? He might look at your old light fixtures and he said, man, take all those fixtures down. Let's put some bright LEDs in here. I need you to shine. See, when God starts finding rooms, he might want you to unclutter some of them. He comes in and, and he'll do an inventory and then he'll, tell, he'll make a list and he'll tell you, I need to, you to sell that on let go. I need you to put all of that on let go. God is saying, I need you to let go of a lot of things you're hiding, a lot of bitterness, a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of closed rooms that we have. He's saying, let it go. I need you to let that go. I want to open floor plan. I want to see the back of the house from the front of the house like we do on the shows. Amen? And we see here in Acts, immediately after the Spirit of God came, Peter changed. His temple was the first example we get to see. The Spirit of God put Peter on one of those makeover shows. And, and he just broke him down in the half hour, changed everything in the half hour in the upper room. Just like, you know, we watch it on the show. You know that took three weeks, but in the show it takes 20 minutes. And we got new kitchens, we got walls blown out, we got plumbing permits, electric, everything's done in a half hour. right? And, but, but the Spirit of God can do that in a half hour without permits because he's got, come on man. So he puts, Peter, he puts Peter on one of the shows. He brings the best guys, not the guys from Trading Spaces. He brings the best guys, the guys that do the good work, right? And, and he tells Peter, this immaturity that you have is time to go. That's, it's grow-up time. That's got to go. He tells him, that security blanket that you always let go of that, you, you're never going to walk in fear again, Peter. He tells him, throw out those fishing rods because you're never going to go back to your old life. It's over now. You're never going to go back to what you used to do. Throw all right. Get rid of the fishing rods. Get rid of the fishing. You've been, you've been given much. It's time for you to walk in it. So li listen, he, he tells Peter, you like to run your mouth a lot. I'm going to give you something to say. He tells them, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be, don't think I'm going to knock everything down in front of you. And everywhere you walk, you're just going to glide and everything's going to... No, sometimes you're going to be backed in a corner. Sometimes you're going to be locked up. Sometimes you're going to be suffering. Sometimes you're going to have to endure. But I promise you, it's going to be worth it. And this newly designed Peter now, he's preaching fire in front of thousands. And he's not sugarcoating. Peter ain't scared no more. Come on. <laughs> There's no watering things down for him. He's not being careful. He says in his first message in Acts 2.22, he said, men of Israel, listen to this. Remember, these are the same religious mob, that the mafia, the same Jewish mafia that killed Jesus. 
are all listening. The, the religious, the, the Pharisees, they're all listening. And he, he's not careful. He says, listen, uh, this man was handed over to you by God's purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. Peter is saying, God gave you Jesus and you killed him. So maybe you should think about the decisions that you make, he's saying. 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on him. Amen? And so with the Spirit of God, with the Spirit of God, Peter ain't scared no more. Does anybody need that in your life? Maybe there's a room you got to open and empty. Because the things that, listen, this is a good picture. The things that we keep hidden in those rooms are the things that keep fear in us. The things that keep hatred in us. The things that keep unforgiveness in us. And those are the things that keep us from changing. There's, there's two messages, two, two messages in... Him and, and John get thrown in jail and they get threatened. They say, listen, you got to stop this Jesus stuff. And, and, and ba- Peter basically says, try and stop me. He, he speaks, to, I mean, they lock him up. They keep him overnight. He's in prison overnight. The next morning he's on trial. They bring him and he said, listen, we, we gotta let, they have to let him go because there's too many people that are seeing the good, right? So they're scared, but they want to kill him. They have to let him go, but they tell him, listen, we'll just warn him. We'll threaten him to stop this stuff. He said, you better stop this Jesus stuff. Stop, stop that stuff. And he says, yeah, yeah, like I should listen to you or I should listen to God. That's what Peter says. Like the third time he does it again, he gets locked up. And, and they get put in, in prison in like a, a, a confined, solitary place, like a heavier prison. And that night an angel of the Lord appears and opens the doors and lets them out. And tells them, um, go, to the, go back to the temple court, to the public square, and keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Now, understand something. He's not perfect. He's not sinless. You know, a lot of uh, religions, you know, the, the, uh, Catholicism and all that, they, they'll, they'll make him a pope and they say he's this and he's sinless. He's not. He's, he's a, still a regular man, but he's changing. Amen? He's changing. And, and, and this is how you know if you've been changed or if you're changing. You, you want to test? You want to know how, how you know if you've, there's fruit in your life? Or for some, there's the budding of what looks like could one day be fruit. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on. Some of us got, got trees with fruit, right? There's fruit. You can pick from somebody's life. There's, there's fruit in some people's life. Man, you just know the anointing is on them. They're being in this thing. They're doing this thing. You can go there and eat a full meal of, of uh, 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 a medley of fruit from their garden. And, but then there's some of us, man, you, we're looking at the, there's nothing but dirt, but there's this one little green, one, one little bud is coming. And you, and you calling everybody to, everybody get close, get close, look, look. They're like, bro, I don't see nothing. Get closer, get closer. You got, there's, there's, something's changing in me, amen. <laughs> it isn't, listen, uh, fruit isn't the absence of trouble or chaos 
or hard times. It isn't the absence of suffering. We got to really get this because we got a disillusioned mentality of Christianity. It's more, it's more now, now it's more about the way we respond and the way we react and the way we endure and the way we persevere. It's not about, uh, I'm not falling, I'm not this, I'm not suffering, I'm not crying, I'm not whining. No, it's, 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 it's about the get-ups. Amen? I'm still getting up. I'm still getting up. I'm still pressing in. Some people think because they're going through seasons or their life has been a series of rough seasons, there's no fruit in their life. There's nothing changing. Maybe God's not there. Maybe God's not for me. But listen, some fruit takes longer. Mm. Some fruit takes longer and takes more care. It takes the average apple tree three to four years to bloom and produce apples. Here's what you need to look for. You want to check? Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is this. Here's how you check. You want a reflection every week for you? Here's how you check. The fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen, listen, listen. You may not be growing self-control trees just yet. Anybody? But if you got some love, and if you see some kindness in your garden, and if you can find a little bit of joy, even when you shouldn't even have any, I'm not talking about being happy, I'm talking about having joy. And if you notice there's some peace in the garden, some peace where it doesn't even make sense, I shouldn't have any peace, but I got some. Then, then, then understand something, you're seeing fruit, say Amen. And, and, and here's, the, and here's the, the, the common sense of it. If you're not growing what you want to see, change what you're planting. Who, who else are you going to blame? You know, we do that all the time, right? Who else are you blaming? Stop pointing at people. What's wrong with you guys, man? I got to stop looking at this crew. Stop. Who said, if you don't like what you're growing, change the damn seed. Galatians 5.16 puts it this way. Walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires was contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. You understand that there's a Spirit that we're sealed with, but it's still in this flesh. This marked up skin will never want to serve God. It's all about what it wants. Come on, can we keep it 100 today? This flesh is all about what it wants. What makes me feel good? What makes me happy? What, 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 um, what, I don't have to explain. You, you got it. If you want to test yourself, if you need a spiritual physical today, here's the, the, the other thing to look for. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. That's when you put anything else before God. That's the the seed of the flesh. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, 
discord. That's division. Some people love to gossip, and you don't realize that you divide, and you don't realize when you divide. Not only is it discord, not only is it division, but the Bible calls it witchcraft. And you're like, I don't do witchcraft, I'm a Christian. You do witchcraft when you divide, when you create division in God's church. You're a witch. Who said that? She crazy. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. You're like, whoa, you just took it to a whole nother level. Yeah, but you, you, you know how you see that in your life? I mean, for some people, yeah, it's actually that in the flesh. But, but you know how you see that in your life? Pornography. Seeds of the flesh. Listen to me. You can't grow spiritual fruit with the seeds of the flesh. Woo, this is uncomfortable. We have to do some honest reflection and ask, which one describes me better? And then don't just say, well, that's me. That's the way I grew up. That's part of my culture. No. If you watch the seed you plant, you won't be surprised at the fruit you grow. Peter preaches, <coughs> and 3,000 people repent and believe on the Lord in one message. Peter was known for always saying stupid things. Peter preaches now in the spirit, after the home makeover, 3,000 people repent and believe on the Lord. Now these 3,000 people are so changed and so empowered by the same Holy Spirit that Peter has, by the same Holy Spirit that we have, that they, Acts 2.42, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, it says in Acts. Uh, and, and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And, and all of the believers were together and they had everything in common and they were selling their possessions and goods and they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they met and continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and in Enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, so listen, the church is born and unlike those that follow Christ before the resurrection, these followers are different. There's a unity that didn't exist in the followers before. Even the apostles were different people now. Do you get it? Overnight. Just last month, they were scared, they were doubting, they were questioning, they were running. They, they, when they brought them to the cross, everybody broke out. Do you know that the apostles weren't even at the, res- at, the, at the crucifixion? This is the man I follow. This is the man that has changed my life. This is the man that I've been walking with and watching him do miracles for three years. He's being crucified and I'm hiding. And all of a sudden, they're different. That means, it says all of the apostles were doing miracles. That means even doubting Thomas, like it doesn't tell, but even doubting Thomas was walking around doing miracles. Wow. That's change, amen? amen? And it says all of a sudden they became this Christian community in a religious Jewish world. 
Now, remember, these people were from all over. Some of them, um, they had different dialects. They were, some of, most of them probably didn't even know each other. But when the church is filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in it, everything changes. If you read the passage in Acts 2 and the ones to follow, you find that they created such a unity that they even sold their stuff so that those that had less could belong. And they they met to learn, they met to eat, they met to pray, they met to worship. Amen? And it says they were so interesting. Well, get this because this is not what we see in church today. They were so interesting and so attractive to people that the idea of being a part of them was so inviting and so exciting that God added to to their number daily. In our communities, they look at us like we're freaks. Why? It seems as if these new Christians, instead of following the mainstream culture or adapting to the culture, or even being a part or bringing the culture that they came from, they create an influence culture. I read this quote this week. We were not meant to condemn, critique, copy, or consume culture, but rather to create a culture. And it says, if you look at it in the message, it says all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, and every meal a celebration. Every meal a celebration. In our house, we got to fight for who prays over the food. No, that's not... Nah? Watch this. This, this, every day their number grew and God added to those. This is, what, what you have to see here is what happened there in the book of Acts is an answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed before he left. Get this, this is important. Back in the book of John, after Jesus tells the apostles that he's going, he looks up to the Father and he prays. Listen to this because you got to hear it. John 17, 11, he says, Father, the time has come. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's he praying for now? TSF Bronx. TSF Espanol. He's praying for us. He's saying... uh, I I, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them would be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought together in complete unity Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Listen, listen. There's a beautiful message and a serious, powerful implication in that scripture, in that prayer. He's saying, if we trust God and remain in Christ, there's a beautiful harmony and a unity that we can live in. He's also saying the implication is that the world will see that love and believe him. When, 
When the church become all about us, people, church hopping all the time, leaving, going places. Well, oh, because you know I'm I'm not being fed here, or or I need this for that, or I need, or or God is bringing me to another level. Or God, when it is it about you? It's about us living in complete harmony. It's about us being one. <laughs> so I'm called to love you, the church, so that the world will see that love and believe. Do you, do you get that message, worship team? Come. They're getting restless. So I'm called to love you, the church. You're called to love the church. So that the world will see that love and believe. See, the, the excuse many people use is, well, you know, I come in my background, you know, in my culture. And, uh, you know, in our culture, the men don't do, show affection. In, our, in my culture, we, we practice this. Listen, no offense, I don't care what your culture is. <laughs> I love you, though. I'm not angry. But I don't care what your culture is. In my culture that I was brought up in, we worship saints and we light candles for the dead and we were tormented by evil spirits. I don't do that because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen? And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's, there's victory. Right? And where the Spirit of God abides, there's a new culture. And we have the power and authority to create and to influence culture. Romans 12 says, don't conform to those patterns. Your father was an alcoholic. You don't have to be an alcoholic. You, there's, you came from divorce. There doesn't have to. Listen, this runs in my family. Well, when it runs into you, it stops. Stop it. Stop it. If we could get something, if we could take something away from this Pentecost, from the book of Acts, from the first church, let it be this. This picture of community that comes together and impacts the world is what Jesus prayed for. It's who we are. It's who we're called to be. It's what we're called to walk in. If you want to know, people talk to me all the time about this. I want to know my calling. I don't know if I'm called to preach. I don't know if I'm called to teach. I don't know if I'm called to pastor, if I'm called to evangelize, if I'm called to lead worship. No, those are gifts. Your calling is to walk in unity. Don't ever stand here anywhere if you haven't learned to walk in unity. If you don't love people, don't talk to people. We have enough of that all over the place. Amen? Your call is to walk in unity. And to have so much love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and yes, even self-control that when people bump into you, it gets on them. It spills out. It overflows. It gets messy. 
And then the world around you will believe that the spirit of the living God is within you and that you're one of his. That they'll know us by our love. That's not a saying to put on a wall. It's the great commission. Come on church, let's stand. Let's worship. I got more but I'm going to leave it. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody bless the Lord. Wow. The message. You know, we opened up this song with the, with the, with opened up this service with a new song called Glorious Day. But it talked about how God had pulled us out of that grave. Some of us fight, fight to get back in. You know? But God has breathed life into you this morning. And he's continuing to encourage you and tell you all the things that you have and what his true calling is for you. So like Pastor said, all this talent, 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 but it's about what he's called you to do. And it's to love one another so that people would know God through our love. And this is how we learn. This is how we do it. By loving on each other here so that we can go out there and have compassion for those in the world. So we're going to close with that new song. You guys want to do this together? We're going to close with a new song in our hearts. Come on. Hey! Father, have your way. Come on, I want to hear you sing. I was buried, say, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was sick, it was my tomb. Till I met you. I was breathing, help me say, I was breathing, but not. Alive. All my failures say, all my failures that tried to lie. It was my tomb, it was my tomb, till I met you, till I met you. Come on, say, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Come on.